All right. Okay, so uh, I believe we're live. Um, hello and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of being joined by uh, Sanjeev Savlok, who is a previous guest on the show and a former um, employee of the Australian government. Uh, Sanjeev, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Josh, for having me again. Not a problem. It's great to have you back. It's, um, yeah, a real pleasure to be able to chat to you whilst um, whilst there's all these crazy, crazy, crazy things going on. Um, I sometimes I just I can't believe what we're actually going through. Um, it's <laughs> yes, it's it is difficult. Yes. It's very very difficult to try and like wrap my head around that we're at this stage now. So um, I guess I guess the first thing that I'd I'd like to get into is is like is this the the protest that we're now seeing um, online uh the that started with the construction workers is this the first like major protest that we're seeing in australia and if so why do you think it took so long and what was the the tipping point of people that sort of made them jump to to doing this essentially uh well obviously this is not the first uh you know protests uh in fact I think it's it's definitely a most the most the biggest one so far. So as far as the word major goes, I suppose this does qualify as the biggest. The recent last couple of weeks, uh, but these protests started very early. They started pretty much uh, uh, in around August last year, or even in July last year. I think um, that's when the first police brutalities started, uh, where a policeman, for example, you might have seen the image. It's now pretty outdated, but still there. Uh, a, a woman was walking on the road and uh, the, the, you know, without a mask, she actually had a mask exemption, done it later, uh, but she, uh, and she was obviously had a bit, uh, you know, unclear about what's happening. And so the police person basically seemed to have choked her on the neck. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there's another uh, person, Zoe, who sort of uh, wanted, so their protest was small sporadic protests uh, all over uh, Victoria. And uh, I'm sure in, across Australia, uh, because of the lockdowns uh, and because so those were initial protests were not about the vaccine, obviously, uh, they were merely about the fact that this is unwarranted. And in fact, the mask became, I think, the first tipping point. Uh, the lockdowns per se did not lead to many protests because they started in the in, uh, towards the end of March. April, May, June, people seem to sort of, okay, let's uh, live with this somehow. There weren't any protests, but from, I think, July onwards, when they imposed the mandatory masks outdoor, outdoor policy, and that's the police, when they started enforcing, as I said, this woman wasn't wearing a mask and they choked her and so on. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, they not only did that, they also, one police person came and hit another person, was walking, another uh, a somewhat uh, not very, you know, in good condition person. Uh, they hit the person with a car, moving car. So these incidents uh, of uh, police brutality led people to come out on the streets. Now, these uh, things were also beginning to happen all over the world. Uh, these freedom protests, uh, they were actually not just in Australia. They were part of a global movement, uh, which had by the time started in Europe, for instance, and many other places against the lockdowns. So these people were feeding off each other. They were in touch with each other. They were young people. 
Harrison, for example, is uh, one who's uh, recently been arrested. Uh, he was one of the people who had been initially, you know, organizing these uh, Telegram groups and other things. In fact, I wasn't on Telegram, but he had been organizing on Facebook and so on. Initially, Facebook was quite okay. They were allowing these kind of things. And then, of course, they the got banned. So the protest really started as a response to the uh, uh, policies. So they were relatively small initially. Uh, you're right about that. But then they st the police brutality started increasing. So in Jan in February 2020, I had attended one of these on my on uh, that I think 20th of February 2020. Uh, sorry, 2021. What am I saying? 2021 this year. Uh, I had attended a protest where uh, they were around at least I would argue uh, three to four thousand people. This was Melbourne. Uh, this was not the lock. There was no lockdown at that stage. But what had happened by the time, uh, and the and the you know the organizers uh, said clearly that they would only let me speak if I was to say something. Uh, against the the the, man, the vaccines and so on. So the vaccines had already come into the into play, and a lot of young people were very angry at the vaccines. Uh, so I I'm a, I oppose mandatory vaccines, and I went and said all those things. Uh, but uh, the media started pro uh, projecting these protests as anti-vaxxers. Now the uh, the vaccine has actually become the it's become the tipping point for. Uh, a, a wider range of people joining in. So there were 3,000 people, as I said, in February. And that was not, a, there was no lockdown at that stage. There was just some kind of, you know, requirement that you should socially distance when you're outside and you should wear masks and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. At that stage, I think the masks had been lifted for a short period of time. For some reason, there was no mask. I, I, I don't remember exactly, but I don't, I don't remember myself wearing a mask for that protest. Uh, and, and such things started happening, but, uh, after the the policies of uh, vaccinating people if, as part of their occupation, uh, that's that's become, I think, the biggest issue where the construction workers, as you saw, uh, they're the ones who are saying, hey, you know, the union, they went to the uh, CFMEU, which is the union of the construction and manufacturing uh, industry, whatever it's called. And uh, out there, they had this big argument with their own union boss saying, why aren't you protecting us from these mandatory vaccines? So that's when uh, things really turned uh, peer-shaped for everybody. Uh, a lot of favorite of violence took place that day. That then uh, led, so it was basically the truckies. Uh, before that, I think at the end of uh, end of August was the truckies, the truck uh, truck drivers, who are who were being uh, forced to do PCR tests and other such things uh, while crossing borders and this and that. And they were, you know, obviously getting significant issues with their occupations. So I think the initial protests were all about the young people who are just feeling frustrated about things and very unhappy and so on, and then joining a global movement. But then things started, it's like uh, the pincers have been closing uh, around the people, you know, so the, the tyranny has been uh, getting closer and closer home. Uh, you're losing your jobs, the nurses, the, 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 the teachers, uh, the uh, people who work in the mines. So there's the, there, I've got so many groups, I'm a member of so many groups in Telegram <clears throat> where they've invited me to join and listen and I don't get much time. But there are the people who have been oppressed by 
the the big uh, mining companies, which are global, you know, many of them owned in in UK, uh, but operated here. Uh, and these companies have done the same thing. They said that if you want to work in this uh, in in, the, in your job, you got to vaccinate yourself. And the people are saying that you haven't really asked us uh, for our opinion on that, whether we want to do it. And they're basically asking for informed consent. They're saying we might vaccinate ourselves, but you can't be doing this kind of coercion. Uh, and of course, many people I think are talking about resigning if they are forced to do it. So this stuff is starting to hit home. Uh, and that's when, you know, when the when your food is going to be not available on the table, it's being removed from the table because of this, uh, then obviously you're pushing people to the wall. And that's actually the pressure is uh, mounting even as we speak with the, uh, uh, the vaccine passports coming into place. Mm. Now you're going to have a situation where people who don't take the vaccines in Australia are soon going to not be able to participate in simple things like going to a restaurant. It's already happened in many countries in Europe, and uh, uh, some countries have lifted all these mandates. But the uh, fact is, Australia is the you know the 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 pincers of the big state, uh, the big brother state, are come getting closer and closer. And in that, the people who are getting squished under this uh, grip of the state, they are now starting to really come out and protest. However, as they protest the state is getting even stronger and harsher. And what we're seeing now is the kind of brutality that is probably getting very close to what we see with communist China and, uh, and their terror- tyranny within their own country uh, or in Hong Kong, for instance. Mm. So we are, uh, and those images are going all over the world. They are creating a bit of waves. Uh, you know, um, Governor DeSantis of uh, Florida really said that, you know, these, this looks like a communist, this would be part of a communist country, what's going on. And he condemned this yesterday, or day before yesterday, there were some press people who asked Scott Morrison, who had recently been to the USA to sign a nuclear sub deal with the UK, Australia and, and USA. And that, uh, and Morrison really said to these guys, hey, you know, uh, he tried to shrug this whole thing off and said, we are actually different societies. We're not the same. I mean, what is he talking about? Is he, I call him a mealy-mouthed person. He's basically saying that the the Australians are not part of the Western civilization. We don't really care for freedom in Australia. It's only you guys who, you know, care about freedom and so on. You ask such questions because actually the media in Australia does never, never asks a single question about these things. Uh, the most remarkable thing about this thing is that it is the media in Australia that wants more of these uh, things. And I think I shared this little chart, which is why, and why does the media want it? Because the people want it. And the people want, people are so uh, so afraid and, and uh, hysterical and in panic mode uh, with this uh, COVID thing that they are willing to have the complete elimination of freedom just to keep themselves safe. So the media responds to the people. It's actually a vicious cycle. The media caused the panic among the people by, by you know, exaggerating everything. The people got into panic mode. Uh, the media loves to create panic because they get eyeballs. Once the people got into panic mode, the, me- the media would not publish things. For example, from me, uh, the Australian didn't publish some very uh, straightforward thing that I had said, but they I had to publish elsewhere uh, because the uh, they didn't want to stop the hysteria. It's a... It's a, it's a, it's a uh, the golden goose or whatever, that's just giving them as much money as they want with the, you know, advertising and, and eyeballs and everything. So why would they want to stop it? So it's become a terrible vicious cycle in Australia where the people want more and more tyranny. And I've actually had personal experience of talking to so many people who want Australia's borders to be closed, not just for a short time. The word they use, 
permanently. They want Australia's borders to be closed permanently. There are so many people there. Uh, you'll be astonished because they say that we don't need, we are, we are far away from everybody. We don't need anybody. We just have some trade and ships and other things, and we don't need people coming in and out. We just stay here separately. Mm, that's quite scary. Um, the permanently Absolutely. thing and that it is a yeah that's, permanently. that's weird so um, I've been like putting up some of the, the the videos and stuff just because I think it's important for people to realize here that we aren't talking about some I, I don't want to exaggerate here like I don't mm. want this to be the case I don't want to be looking at um, the the onset of of some sort of tyranny in mm. in the the modern world. I don't I don't want to see that especially in like a developed nation. That's that's not mm. what I want to see at all and it's it's really concerning to me that that's where we're we're kind of at with with some of this stuff. So I've been pulling up some of the videos, but I just wanted to go through the, through some more of them just sort of briefly cuz I think it's important that that we look at like what what we're seeing. So I showed this one already. Um I know you can't um quite see them but so this is um uh, a woman walking on the beach with no mask and there's like 10 police officers with her um <laughs> and and yes. the, the, but this is repeated in in all of mm. the other uh all of the other yes. examples that i've seen there's one here that i'm uh i'm gonna pull up here and go forward to where you know they start to arrest him and there's like one man outside and they've got like six police officers all like taking him taking him in um, then there's a few examples of just anytime someone is arrested or taken down, it's in huge numbers. And it's really scary that this is just sort of accepted. Um, one of the ones that I wanted to, to, to show was this. There's a guy who's like getting tackled into his car door by the by like three or four police. And the one guy comes in, like <laughs> yes, slams him that. in the yes. face. And then yes, like later absolutely. on in the video, if you like fast forward a little mm. bit through, then the police officers who are still being filmed, like just they, they, they go up and then um, here it is. They just like, kick him in the face. They, just, mm, they literally yes, just come they, in and kick the guy in the face yes. and then they turn around like mad at the people filming as if what are you doing like how dare you film this yes um yes. so i just I'm, I'm trying to give people an idea that this isn't all just like people being crazy uh there's another video here from uh in a inside a shopping mall or a guy gets like just taken from behind and thrown to the ground like face first it's um it's really disturbing for me to see this mm. in a in what's meant to be like a Western or not even Western. I don't like that word because it's just not, not very mm. useful. Like West from where? Um, <laughs> but like, no, the, it's actually, it's actually world. a correct, it's a, it's a correct uh, term to use for what is, uh, you know, a different kind of a civilization with different assumptions. So mm. That's okay. Yeah. But, uh, but basically I'm just, I can't believe that we're seeing this happening. So uh, what has the reaction been in, in australia to to this like what have have been the reaction to the protests and to <laughs> well if the, you look at the, uh... the police brutality like has there been <laughs> any any like opinions changed or hardened in in this respect no 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 it's actually quite interesting that if you look at the twitter feeds or facebook where somebody's post these kind of things you look at the comments from the average person they say, why were these people out there? They should have followed the rules. You know, they're basically blaming the people. Uh, the vast majority of Australians are very much against these guys. Uh, 
They think the police are absolutely on the, on the right side. Uh, the popularity of Dan Andrews, who's the, the guy who's running the state of Victoria, uh, is sky high, absolutely sky high. He is, uh, you know, Chairman Dan or whatever you call him, but uh, he's actually very popular. Uh, the media is obviously very uh, supportive. Uh, uh, there's one or two sporadic voices among uh, the institutions, like the other day of Fair, Fair, Fair uh, Work Commissioner, a kind of an organization that looks after the industrial relations and uh, wage agreements in Australia. One of the uh, uh, commissioners, uh, they're actually the... They, 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 this is about a mandatory vaccine thing. And uh, one of them said, you know, why are we doing this kind of things? Uh, but uh, the human rights commissioners, very rarely they call out this thing. Uh, nobody really seems to bother. Uh, they, uh, the other day, they, these protesters went to the shrine. The shrine is a place where they commemorate the people, you know, the, the uh, Anzacs and others who fought in the World War One and Two and so on. And that's a very uh, kind of a sacred place for everybody in Australia. And the protesters were driven to that place because they were not allowed to hang around in the city. So they were driven by the police to that place. So when they go there, uh, the police beat them up further. And uh, then the people are complaining, uh, including the RSL, which is the uh, Returned Soldiers League, uh, complaining, why are these guys coming and desecrating these, uh, this shrine? Uh, so... What we've seen is uh, the vast majority of the institutions and the media and the people are very much against the protesters. They're very much, uh, you know, the commentary is very much against them. And so uh, has any has anyone's mind changed from this? I really don't think so. I think most people have simply hardened their position and uh, uh, it's basically become them versus us. So there are two two kinds of people, and that's actually getting further hardened with the vaccine passport thing that we are seeing have, uh, develop as we speak. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a situation which is very, uh, uh, you know, sort of reminds us of the things that happen in, uh, in uh, obviously, in the, you know, in the Germany is the, uh, the recent example we can think about in the World War One, where the, you know, the groups were segregated, the society started getting segregated in, in terms of certain groups, and then uh, it just progressed from one to the other next step. And I don't know about where, how far this goes, but I can definitely say that the split has become quite hard. And at the, at the, at the moment, uh, uh, there are just these two groups of people head on facing each other. But uh, the majority, the vast, vast majority is the one that uh, wants more lockdowns, wants more mandates, uh, is very keen for the vaccines, of course, uh, but also keen for the vaccine passport. So this is uh, a pretty dangerous situation for uh, the people who are living in Australia at the moment who think of a thing known in one at one time called freedom, mm. uh, just the basic freedom to breathe because you cannot breathe in Australia anymore. You've got to wear a mask if you go outside. Uh, you cannot uh, walk uh, because you can only go for up to five kilometers uh, within from your home uh, and there are curfews on top of that um, and on top of that very soon you will not be able to shop and so on yeah it's pretty bad yeah yeah i mean the the i can't believe we're at this point so mm -hmm. um there's a, a fantastic book that i am currently reading um it's called mm -hmm. why nations fail uh, yeah. I'm going to be interviewing um, both of the authors separately over the next couple of weeks, um, which will be released Wonderful. soon. And the the basic thesis of their book is nations fail because they lack freedom. 
Um, so they yes. talk about about pluralism and the need for inclusive economic and political institutions. But basically, what it comes down to is is the is is people's not being under some sort of oppressive or extractive um, political or economic regime. And mm. what I am concerned that we're witnessing is the start of that kind of, of, of world where we've had, you know, 50, 60 years or so of, of, of increasing freedom and um, lessening violence, increased prosperity, um, and, and just... Yeah, the ability for humans to sort of make the world what they wish it to be in terms mm. of like your individual potential. And I, I'm watching all of these things disappear. And it concerns me so much that not not even that we're watching it happen because, you know, there's um there's no long arc of, of progress. It's not like a it's it, we're not moving ever, ever better towards this beautiful utopian end goal. But what we do have is a system that I think deserves to be protected in in terms of of you know there's there's a lot of corruption like I'm very familiar with that and some really horrendous things going on within the system. But that doesn't mean it's it's you know not a good thing that it's you know it's given us so so much and and I'm concerned that people don't realize what they're sort of clamoring to have taken away. Do you know what I mean? You're absolutely right. In fact, <clears throat> that's the topic of all my work for the last many, many decades, uh, the, the need for good governance. And what you just mentioned is uh, uh, despite its levels of corruption here and there, the Western models of governance, uh, of accountability, the independence uh, of uh, the judiciary, the uh, legislature, uh, the executive, these three you know, pillars of the government and the press, they have held us in some form or shape into a point where despite the disputes that always occur and should occur within the free society, there is a little bit of a, a movement towards uh, the benefit of the people at the bottom of the ladder. So the poorer have always been benefiting overall uh, with technology or with more income. It is the first time I think uh, this is the most self-inflicted kind of a wound uh, the Western civilization has inflicted on itself where the poor, uh, the interesting thing is that inequality has dramatically increased all over the world and uh, the poor <clears throat> have suffered the most. Uh, they, are the, they are the ones who do these. Uh, so who runs these uh, retail shops and so on, the essential things? They are the young people at a low level of income, okay? They are the ones who've been running around grinding, grinding this whole thing. And, uh, and these nurses and so on in NHS and also nurses here. And these are the young people who've given their, you know, their last one or two years to serve the community. And these are the ones that are actually protesting, many of them, because they're the ones who are going to lose their jobs. So what we're seeing is uh, uh, a society where, and if you look at the overall data, what this, uh, you should be talking to, if you note, your, you know, note down a guy called Paul Fridgers, Paul Fridgers is a professor of economics in the London School of Economics. And he's got a fantastic book called The Great COVID Panic. Uh, and I'm actually, uh, I, I wrote a little bit for that book as well. But what he's talking about is the uh, uh, complete, uh, the underpinnings of this is basically in, in social psychology. Uh, 
Uh, it's all over the world. It's not just Australia. It's just that Australia is the, probably the most extreme example of what's happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the UK is, has not been particularly, uh, uh, you know, uh, less in, 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 they maybe didn't have this police atrocities, but the overall tyranny was pretty strong uh, with the lockdowns. And uh, the the deaths, et cetera, the extra deaths have happened because of lockdowns all over the world, including the UK. So what we've seen is a group think uh, people fell into a state of panic and and that's why the great COVID panic and my book is the great hysteria. And so I, and once people fall into panic, uh, then their brain stops working in terms of saying what's really the rational thing in this situation. And, and, the, and therefore, Nobody has been paying attention in these countries, in the so-called Western countries, to basic arithmetic. So you can look at the data and that you, you can look at data from any way, which way you, you cut it and slice it. And it is simply a very, very minor pandemic by any benchmark on, in the, uh, on, on Earth. And if that's the case, uh, the fact that people have overreacted and now they're entering into the, into the vicious cycle where they're now further and further in, uh, inward looking, they're, they're, they're starting to hate, the word hate is, uh, is coming in, uh, the, the, the so-called anti-vaxxers. In this case, they call them anti-vaxxers, by the way. Mm. If you are pro-choice, you are called an anti-vaxxer by these guys. <laughs> so, you know, it's like uh, criminalizing the fact that, oh, so you hate all vaccines. No, but these are the guys who've taken vaccines all their lives. They've taken the vaccines right from the birth and they would take vaccines without a problem. What, you, what they don't want is a vaccine that's not been you know, demonstrated to work and so on. Of course, there's some evidence coming in now, but they want the freedom of choice to decide. And, and what's uh, now stopping, uh, is causing this, precipitating this entire anger in Australia, and I'm sure in many parts of the world, is the fact that they're being coerced. And if they don't do that, then they're going to lose the job. And that's, by the way, not just Australia, it's happening all over the world. So we are seeing the, the Western civilization implode because people have gone in, into a state of panic and hysteria. And uh, there is simply, uh, I mean, it's going to take a long time, let's say. That's what Paul Fridger's uh, assessment, it says it, it could take a very long time for people to get back to normal. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to take, I don't, I don't even understand the path back to normal at this point. Mm. Um which is something that concerns me because I just uh, this is this is not and and I hate that I have to qualify everything I say now, but like mm. I'm not saying that COVID is not has not caused pain for people. I'm not saying that people haven't died from it. I'm not saying that people haven't lost loved ones. That there aren't people with long COVID, but uh, this is something that I, uh, Jordan Peterson made the point a few days ago. Um, in an article or in an, uh, in an interview with The Telegraph. And he was talking about when something becomes, he was talking about climate change, but the, 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 mm. the point applies here. And he says, when something becomes such a monstrous existential crisis that mm. it enables or it, it justifies almost any action. Yes, that, that's what it is. That, it is. That, Indeed, that's exactly what it is. Mm. That's exactly right. It's yes. when, when something... It's an ex- existential... Yeah. These people are, are, are afraid of dying. Uh, you know, you, you cross them on the streets uh, and, uh, you know, they, they'll, they'll, they'll go away from you. Uh, they all sort of signals that they send uh, to you uh, about their panic. And, and at this stage, uh, vast majority think that they're going to die. But actually, in fact, the interesting thing is if you look at the numbers of people who think about, you know, they've been asked about what's the actual death rate from COVID. Some people are talking about 10% and so on. 
actually 0.1%. So when you're looking at the actual, uh, in fact, it's less than 0.1%. I'm actually got the, I mean, you, very, you can do a very simple calculation and get it out. Uh, 2 million out of 7,800 million. What's the number? That's the number who died in 2020, which is actually a bit more than they died. And 7,800 is the total number of people on the on the planet. Two out of 7,800 is less than, it's a, less than a, less than 1%, <clears throat> less than 0.1%. So we're looking at people exaggerating the uh, threat by about, uh, <laughs> probably about a hundred times or more at the minimum. And then that, uh, what they've done therefore is to get so afraid and they cannot think anymore. It's an existential crisis for them. How do they get out of this? I think you're absolutely right. There is simply no known example of such mass scale hysteria hmm. uh, at a level where 70 to 80% of the population is dead scared. Hmm. I mean, there's, that, there's no one known example, no known example of this sort, anything in history. I mean, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that's impossible to get to get back to some sort of reasonableness, but I, I think it, it takes or it's going to take some some level of admission that people have you know got too crazy um i mean i guess i i i i try to 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 just you know talk to people as best i can like that's all all i can really do is is try and be like it's not gonna happen uh, josh it's not gonna happen i'll tell you why because the so-called experts and i'm reading this kind of stuff daily and you're reading as well uh they're continuously aggravating the situation for example Fake and absolutely rubbish kind of studies have just come out alleging that masks save a lot of people's, you know, that they reduce the, the, uh, the, the spread. So now they want masks to be a regular part of human, the, you know, the, the, everybody should be wearing masks, no matter whether you're vaccinated. It's going to be forever. This is the so-called experts who've taken over the conversation. The media only gives these people the voice. They are putting out false, fake, and utterly nonsensical pieces of work or claims that are not being filtered by the media and they're being going straight into the people's head. The people out there are listening to them. They're not listening to you and me, okay? I can guarantee that this video, whatever we are talking, will be listened to by a very small percentage of the world population. Mm. Uh, but the but the kind of rubbish that comes out from the mouths of people like Anthony Fauci and all the other crazy experts, so-called experts, who are spouting complete rubbish and nonsense for the last one and a half years, that is heard by hundreds of millions of people every day. So there, there is no hope really effectively of uh, countering this with any rational, rationality because I, when I go and tell people that, hey, there is no evidence that masks really work. I've looked at all the actual studies, the Danish, the Danish study, the Bangladesh study, and there's so much amount of other information that I've published in my own, uh, you know, complaint to the International Criminal Court and so on. There is no evidence that absolutely the masks work and the cloth masks do not work at all. The, uh, the surgical masks might work, but for a short period, if you wear them well, the N95 will definitely help a lot, but then you cannot breathe after more than half an hour. So what do you think people tell me when I say this? People say, no, but there are these experts who are telling us that this thing works. It's very important to wear masks. So people have bought into the theory that this is the biggest pandemic since uh, the black, uh, uh, the, the plague, uh, the black death. Uh, they bought into that story. They are as big as the Spanish flu. They bought into the idea that masks save, uh, you know, people. They bought into the idea that lockdowns uh, are very important to save, uh, you know, uh, lives. Uh, and so once they bought into this kind of story, it's like saying they believe the earth is uh, flat or, you know, or round, whatever way you look at it. But once you have a belief, right, 
Uh, they don't ask, I would ask a question, when did this ever happen before? When did we do lockdowns ever before? Mm. They're not going to look at the numbers. So this generation has actually got programmed. It's called conditioning. It's called brain programming. You know, it's like in 1984 and uh, uh, the, uh, the Brave New World, these people have actually, progr- uh, their brain has been completely rewired mm. to think about things, not the way they are, but mm. the way they've been told. Yeah. And I don't know what, how you can, uh, you know, un, un, uh, unprogram these peoples mm. because uh, there's no known example as far as I know. It's like once they've become a cult, it's like a cult. That's why uh, uh, Paul Fridges calls, calls this a cult and many other people call it a cult, COVID cult. Mm. Uh, completely brand new ideas have been thrown around. Uh, people have have uh, not asked a single question. They've just grabbed at everything. They also don't care whether the goalposts are moving every day. So they're constantly moving the goalposts. The vaccines, uh, no, it's two, it's, no, it's two, it's not two, it's three, it's four, it's five. It's constantly moving, but people are willing to accept anything mm. because they're terror, uh, terrorized. Mm. So this has become 100% like a cult. The only problem here is that the normally a cult has only got about 1,000 people or 5,000 people you know, in the whole world. And we can live with that fringe out there. But this is now the overwhelming majority in a place like Australia, which is, I think, the worst example of all of this. Uh, but in all other parts of the West as well, it would be probably in the range of 40 to 50% of the population are COVID cultists now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, do you know, you'll maybe laugh at this, actually. So I was thinking about this the other day um, when I was uh, I was sitting in a restaurant and I, um, I saw her in a bar, restaurant place. Anyway, so I saw some people uh, come in with their masks on, sit down, take them off. Um, and get up, put the mask on to go to the toilet, sit down again, they got up to go to the counter, mask back on, um, and just the sort of on and off thing. And I was like, I was laughing because mm. I used to say that I didn't think the, the, the social constructionists were right in their belief that humans were so malleable. But then I was like, how could we be convinced to do all this and, and sort of have, have like these habits set in so quickly um, mm. if if we aren't like this malleable in a way I was kind of chuckling to myself about how it's Pavlovian yeah it's Pavlovian <laughs> absolutely so what you've done is you've you've terrorized these people you've said that if you don't do this you're gonna die and they believe that and so they don't see the illogic or the irrationality of you know uh, eating without the mask and getting up and putting the mask in. If they don't see the logic of anything anymore, they've stopped think- thinking at all. Uh, they're, they're behaving like what you, uh, what actually <laughs> is known as the lizard brain, our primitive uh, reptilian brain, where we never actually think at that stage about what we're doing. We just operate. So, you know, you can condition animals, uh, you know, because they don't have the cerebrum that we have and the frontal cortex. You can actually program them pretty easily to do practically anything. Okay, so what we're seeing now, uh, just to... Yeah, I need you to wrap this up in the next 15 minutes. I have a Zoom meeting. I can't talk to these people there. Okay, okay. Yeah, we're going to finish it up in 15 minutes at the most, yeah. Yeah, that's no problem. Yeah. Yeah, so basically the situation is that uh, the Pavlovian conditioning that's been going on uh, of the human beings in the form of uh, primitive human being. Uh, I think this is what uh, Paul Paul Fridges talks about, the social psychology. He says we've forgotten social psychology and we better go back and start reading up on social psychology because this is nothing but massive groupthink and uh, uh, 
group terror. And so we don't know how to get out of it. Really, nobody knows how to get out of it. You're absolutely right. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'm constantly trying to think because, I mean, part of the... So part of the conversations I've been having with a lot of people um, of late is this, is just trying to understand how we escape from this and it's described in that book why nations fail it's a vicious a vicious mm. circle of um institutions becoming more extractive taking more power and we it's like we're like circling the drain in in terms of 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 yeah certain nations remaining the prosperous places that they are and that's not just um because of covid i mean i think a lot of these things have been coming a long time in terms of the the conditions that have allowed this to become the mad thing that it has if that makes sense like the 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 divisions that we've built in society yes, basically yes, have been yes, coming a long time especially the economic mm. ones um and this just seems like another step along the way of the the extractive institutions in our society taking more power than they should have in an ideal system and essentially what i think we're witnessing is a power grab um by dividing society and and coming from coming from northern ireland so where i'm from is we've witnessed that this country has been absolutely torn apart by divisions based on nothing that like based on on just absolute nonsense like that because you're born in a specific part or you believe you're british or irish or you know you believe you're in one part of the or one interpretation of the bible like catholicism versus protestantism and it's I've witnessed what that does to places. Like I've seen it happen and I've seen, I've, I, I still see the hangover of that years later here. Like when we're meant to have been at peace for 23 years, you know, the Good Friday Agreement was signed in 1998. That was meant to be it, you know, underscore the troubles were done. And, you know, you can still see all of the, the legacy of, of that division. And and I'm I'm still maybe like, like un unreasonably so optimistic that we can perhaps find a way to remember that you know we're all just people and we can you know love each other and everything will be better uh, look uh, I, I think the the good thing uh the positive step uh positive thing in this situation is that a good proportion of the population have resisted from the very beginning it's not a very small proportion i would argue it's about uh uh, 15 to 20 percent of the of Australia's population uh, do not like these things, and I'm assuming that's where change comes from ultimately. Because uh, uh, this resistance that is happening right now, political resistance, resistance and protests on the streets, uh, uh, and you know, conversations that are happening in Telegram and other places, which are basically because Twitter has shut down everybody. Facebook has shut down everybody. I, be, I get get banned from Facebook all the time. LinkedIn, of course, has banned me as well. So, but they, but that means that there are these conversations happening in that twenty percent of the world's population, and these people aren't giving up anytime soon. Let me tell you that. So, uh, the, the, the hope is not lost, and we cannot obviously sit back and say nothing's going to happen. Uh, we obviously need to keep on working on that project, uh, keeping in mind that uh, human beings are what they are. And uh, they're not going to change simply by uh, through rational argument. They were so it's going to be quite a challenge to get uh, uh, the society to shift from the panic and fear and hysteria and terror and tyranny that we're starting to see in the so-called advanced Western uh, developing countries, uh, developed countries. Mm -hmm. 
So it's a, it's a very challenging exercise. And I think the church has, has fallen in the trap as well with the Pope and the Catholic, uh, you know, the, they're basically starting to impose uh, the same conditions of mandatory vaccines, etc., mm. within the Vatican. Uh, and essentially now the church is a part of the problem. Uh, there is no concept of, uh, you know, what you call love and all these things that you're talking about. <laughs> no, there's none of none of that. No, the church is quite happy to segregate people. The church itself is now uh, part of the problem, global problem. Uh, and that's also been the case uh, during Nazi Germany. We know the church was potentially, it was divided with some of some parts of it supporting Hitler. So what we now see is that all institutions, including the religious institutions, have failed. And so the, the fight back is going to be very long and very difficult, is my guess. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess you're probably right. Um, but... I, I was trying to make this point actually to someone earlier and that, that people are always trying to find like utopia. They're trying to get themselves to um, this wonderful state um, with a system that's just totally going to work forever and will never be corrupted. And, and the, the, the idea mm. is that is, I think is, is a little bit antithetical to that. Like of reality is that yes, we should seek to strive a system that shouldn't be exploited um, that shouldn't be, you know, taken over by, uh, tyrannical people or people who become tyrannical that the the idea is that we build a system and then we have to defend it and I think we've been not defending it and not making the case for things like freedom of speech or the importance of protest or um, you know a lot of the the values of of the enlightenment in oh yes in uh, to our own detriment because we've all forgotten why they're important and I guess for me that's where the this uh this will end. But uh, the last thing I want to I want to kind of ask you is: do do you expect to see any any reaction from the international community if this continues in Australia, or do you think it's just going to be the same sort of silence aside? From I I seriously doubt it because uh, th there is, I mean, there was this uh, Governor DeSantis, you know, uh, criticizing Australia yesterday or day before yesterday, and there are a couple of commentators here and there on on uh, I think in. in the television in Australia, and sorry, in the USA, and a couple of uh, write-ups here and there, uh, I think Zero Hedge today, for example, that are very critical of what's happening in Australia. Uh, however, uh, self-interest, because all of these guys, including the, you know, <laughs> Boris Johnson, Biden, and whatnot, they were complicit in almost 99% of the things that are happening in Australia. They were completely supportive of the lockdowns. They were completely supportive of masks. Now, Boris Johnson had himself got COVID. He's got all the all the possible uh, antibodies and everything. But he's the one who's, you see, wearing a mask all the time. And I mean, the guy is absolutely stark, raving mad. And when you have these people really uh, talking to each other, Johnson and Biden and, and Morrison, they're basically birds of the same feather. I do not therefore expect any of them to criticize Australia in a significant way. Uh, so no, this is not going to happen. Uh, the International Criminal Court, by the way, my complaint to them, I, I lodged a complaint. I don't know whether you were aware of that. They sat on it for seven months and basically did nothing. Uh, and... They are the only organization, international organization, that can easily say that these are international, you know, there's some complete abuse of human rights and, and uh, crimes against humanity because uh, what's happening is terror and fear created by the state. Uh, 
uh, but they are keeping quiet as well. So no, I think the answer is no, because uh, when groupthink happens, everyone is looking at their own personal career, okay? And they're saying, if I say something, what's going to happen to me? And they don't want to be the first person, you know, they don't want to lose their jobs. Mm. No, it's not going to happen. Well, hopefully there is still hope. I mean, we're hoping for hope. That makes it a bit desperate at that point. But um, I I guess it's, uh, yeah, we'll we'll wait and see what happens. And uh, yeah, I will continue to to say when I think things are wrong. And I guess that's all that, you know, you can ask people to do is if they see something they believe is not right, um, say something, basically. I mean, so far we are not yet into the situation of uh, communist China. Uh, and so no. we, we still have the right to say and to have these kind of conversations. And sometimes you do might allow them and sometimes they don't. But uh, you got, you got to keep doing what you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all we can do. Um, but anyway, uh, Sanjeev, I want to I wanna thank you a lot. Um, it was a pleasure to get to chat. Um, therapeutic in a way for myself, hopefully for some people listening. <laughs> um, talk, do you to, wanna... talk to Paul. I really recommend talking to Paul because he actually has a studied the social psychology very well and i in one of his interviews that i heard he actually explained this much better than i can okay yes. i will definitely um check him out paul fridgers you said yes fridgers okay. uh, london school of economics okay yes. i will yeah i've got a note of the name i will definitely check that out so yeah keep an eye out for that everyone um yeah i will put links for your book and uh your website blog um in the description below for everyone so uh yeah thanks very much thank you thank you Thank you.